Okay, starting reading at verse 16. This is God's word. Then the men rose from there and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. And the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will now go down and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know. Then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood still before the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were fifty righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the fifty righteous that were in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? So the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Then Abraham answered and said, Indeed now, who am I but dust? And ashes, and I've taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose there were five less than the fifty righteous. Would you destroy all of the city for the lack of five? So he said, if I find there forty-five, I will not destroy it. And he spoke to him yet again and said, suppose there should be forty found there. So he said, I will not do it for the sake of forty. Then he said, let not the Lord be angry, I will speak. Suppose 30 should be found there. So he said, I will not do it if I find 30 there. And he said, indeed, now I have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 should be found there. So he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 20. Then he said, let not the Lord be angry, but I will speak once more. Suppose 10 should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 10. So the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. Amen. We thank God for his blessing when we read his truth. Well, folks, last week we celebrated the Lord's Supper. And as we looked at the the passage, we noted that there's a depth of relationship that is built up between Abraham and God because they are eating together and and so we celebrated around the Lord's table and we ate together and we communed with God in that meal and and we noted the depth of relationship that comes there. What we see this week in our passage is more of that relationship that exists between God and Abraham. This time the relationship is not demonstrated by them eating together It's demonstrated by them walking together. We've heard before in the book of Genesis about people who walked with God. 
And that's something that's also true for Abraham. While for others, it was a a metaphor for Abraham, it's no mere metaphor. If you look at verse 16, if you have your Bible with you, folks, it would be helpful to have it open. Verse 16, the men rose from there and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on their way. So this is a a bit like a a Sunday afternoon stroll. They've, They've eaten dinner, and then Abraham and the Lord go for a walk together. Well, you and I know this very well. We've done it ourselves. Maybe it's been a a walk on Cranfield Beach or or maybe in Gosford Forest. Whenever you do go for a walk with someone, well, inevitably you end up talking with them. Maybe you've even done something like what Abraham has done here. Somebody's been to your house to visit and, and you get up to show them to the door. And then as you reach the door, the conversation begins all over again and you end up talking even more. And so as they walk together towards Sodom, God decides to confide in Abraham what the plans are he has for that city. Now, we've mentioned this before. We, we might look at this and we might become jealous of Abraham. Here he is walking with God and God is letting him in on his mind and thoughts. It's amusing for Abraham. But let's not forget that Abraham might have had a a few lines. We have the entire revelation of God. We have the complete and final word of God. We we can turn open our Bibles and hear from God any time we please. In the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, God has told us everything we're to believe concerning him and what duty he requires of us. So there is nothing that Abraham knew that we need to find out. It's all here in the Bible for us to lift and read. And yet this passage does show us that there's a depth of relationship between Abraham and God. And it's the same depth of relationship that we have with God if we come to faith in Christ. Look at how God speaks about Abraham in verse 19. God says, For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice. God says he knows Abraham. And that word knows in the Hebrew is is a word that carries the weight not only of knowing somebody intellectually, but, but choosing them. Choosing to know them. God has chosen to know Abraham. Abraham is special to God. All of God's children are special to him. If you're a follower of Christ today, then God knows you. He knows you in the way he knew Abraham. He has revealed his will to you in the Bible in the same way he confides in Abraham here. There's a a depth of relationship. It's about knowing and being known by God. And so, as they walk together, God reveals to Abraham his future plans. He reveals his will to Abraham. Verse 20. The Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, 
and because their sin is very grave. I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know. So what is God's plan? Well, God's plan is to go and have a look at Sodom and Gomorrah to see if they are as bad as he has heard. And this, well, this is the point when Abraham speaks up. They're walking together and the conversation goes both ways. God talks to Abraham and Abraham talks to God. Which means this is a lot like reading our Bibles and praying. This passage from verse 23 to the end of the chapter, well, it's a prayer. It's a prayer of Abraham. And I think there are some things that we can learn about prayer from Abraham here. Some things we can learn about talking to God. And so those are the three points for our sermon today. God hasn't changed. And so the way that we talk to him should be the same way that Abraham talks to him. Here are three things we can learn from Abraham's prayer, from his conversation with God. Firstly, in prayer, when we're talking to God, we should remember who God is. Secondly, we should remember who we are, remember who you are. And then finally, remember prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. So first of all, remember who God is. I think it's really important for us to remember in prayer that we, we come to God and pray to him in accordance with who he is. I've told you many times before that I'm not very handy I'm not good at fixing things. I'm not good at working with my hands. I have hands like feet. So if you were after somebody who you needed somebody to wire your house or you needed somebody to build your wall, then don't come to this guy. You should come to me if you have questions about the Christian faith. And please do, by the way, folks, come and ask me those questions. If it's questions about Bible study or matters of theology, then, then come and ask me those things. But if you even need to have a plug rewired you'd be better going on Google than coming to ask me. And so when we come to, to somebody or we approach them to ask them for something, we normally want it to be something that they can provide. And so it is with prayer. When we come to God in prayer, we should think about who God is and ask him for the things that we know he can provide. That's what Abraham does. Look with me at verse 23, Abraham's prayer. Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy that place and not spare it for 50 righteous that were in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? It's a bold prayer, isn't it? It's bold. But you understand what Abraham's saying. He's saying, you are God, please be God. Act like God. He's, he's praying to God and he knows who God is. God is just and right. And so Abraham comes and asks for something he knows God will grant. If there are 50 righteous people in the city, well, God would not destroy it. So Abraham appeals to the righteousness and the justice of God. See what the end of verse 23 says. Shall not the judge of all the earth 
do right. In prayer, Abraham remembers who God is. He is the righteous judge of all the earth. All that God does is right. He never does anything wrong. And so Abraham comes and asks God not to destroy Sodom if there are 50 people who are righteous in the city. So he prays in accordance with God's nature. And we see that as the, as the passage continues, that God agrees with Abraham. He acknowledges that he wouldn't do that. He, he says he won't destroy the city if there are 50 righteous. And so Abraham becomes more bold and he continues to decrease the number right down to 10 people. Because of who God is, he is the one being in the whole universe who always does what is right. He agrees not to destroy the city if there are 10 righteous in that city. And so when we come to pray, it's important that we know who God is, that we remember who God is. We should pray to God for things that we know God will do. We pray in accordance with God's will, with his plans and his purposes. To do that, we need to know God. We need to read our Bibles. We need to examine them thoroughly. We should look deeply into the scriptures to know God. And then we can pray in full knowledge that we're asking for something that is in accordance with his divine will. Let me give an example. It might seem trivial. What about praying that we would win the lottery? Should we pray that we would win the lottery? The Bible doesn't actually explicitly say that we should not gamble. That's not one of the Ten Commandments. But we know the Bible has much to say about the love of money. We know what the Bible says, that it's difficult for a rich man to enter into heaven. And so praying for all the wealth that comes from a lottery win is not really praying in line with the Scriptures. So we shouldn't pray that we would win the lottery. We shouldn't gamble because it's not in line with what God's Word says. I don't imagine anybody here will be praying that prayer. But I hope you see my point. What kind of things does God command for us in our lives? Pray for those things. What kind of things does God promise to his children? Pray for those things. What are his plans and purposes for this world? Pray for those things. Those are the things that we should be searching the scriptures for and praying accordingly. So when Abraham prays, he remembers who God is. God is just and righteous. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Let me say this. We thought about this on Tuesday past at our, our midweek gathering. The sinfulness and the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah was so great that the right thing to do, the just thing to do, was to destroy it all. And Abraham doesn't dispute with God on the point of wicked people being slayed. The justice of God is that sinners get the reward for their sin. They get everlasting destruction. Abraham doesn't want the righteous to be slayed with the wicked, but he does accept the destruction of the wicked. So what does it mean for the judge of all the earth to do right? 
What is the right thing to do? Well, the right thing to do is to wipe the sinfulness of these cities off the face of the earth. If I go out into the garden and I stand in one of those little presents that our dog River has left for us in the garden, you know what I mean? Well, what's the right thing to do? The right thing to do is to remove it, to wipe it off and clean my shoe. That's effectively what sinful people are on God's earth. And so the right thing for him to do is to wipe them off the face of the planet. I think it's helpful to know that the appeal Abraham makes, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Well, that's exactly what is going to happen in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. The judge of all the earth is doing right by destroying them. And by the way, if you have any questions about that, we're going to be thinking again on Tuesday night about limited atonement. So please come along on Tuesday night. I think you'd find it helpful. So Abraham asked God to act as God. And that's exactly what God will do because God can't do anything else. You and I, well, we can tell lies. We can act out of accordance with our character, but God is always God and he always acts like it. But Abraham also remembers who he is and that's our second point. Remember who you are. Even though Abraham becomes more and more bold and continue asking for the decreasing number, he doesn't forget that he is not God and he himself has no real ability to do anything about the situation. He needs God to do something. Look at how he addresses God in verse 27. Abraham answered and said, Indeed now I who am but dust and ashes have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. That's a good thing for us to remember in prayer. We come before God and have access to him in prayer, but it's only at his invitation and it's only because of the work of Jesus Christ. We should never forget that we are dust and ashes. We're given life by the Almighty God, but nonetheless, we speak to him only through Jesus. Remember who you are. Approach God with the correct reverence and awe. When we come in prayer, don't forget that you have no right in yourself to speak to God. No right whatsoever. You've no more right than the paint does to speak to the painter about where it should go on the canvas. Or, to be more graphic and agricultural, you've no more right than the slurry to tell the farmer where it should be spread. We need to have a healthy fear of God. We need to realise he's not our buddy, he's not our pal. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. And so in prayer, we do approach God boldly, as Abraham did, as we're encouraged to do in Hebrews 4, to come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace. But we also know that we only come through Jesus. We don't come because of anything in us. We come through Christ. We are welcome. We are welcome here in the house of God Almighty. But we're welcome because we come with his son. Friends, aside from Jesus, we too will be destroyed with the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. We are all wicked in our hearts. We have sinful ways that 
we rarely even admit to ourselves. And so the judge of all the earth, if he were to do right, well, we would be fully, fully deserving of everlasting destruction. But thank God for Jesus. Because in him, we have become the righteousness of God. Because of Christ, Abraham was counted righteous. Because of Christ, we too can be counted righteous. Not because of anything we have done, but because Jesus has taken the everlasting destruction of our sin. He has faced the wrath of God upon the cross. He has removed our sin from us. We have been justified by the power of his blood. It's just as if we had never sinned. That's only for those who are trusting in Jesus. It's difficult to say this. And I kind of hope it's difficult to hear. But if you've not yet trusted in Christ, well then you deserve the destruction that God planned for Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible teaches that the wages of sin is death. Wages are the thing that you are owed. You deserve your wages. Please don't find yourself on that side of God's judgment. Come to trust in Christ today. There is no better time than now. When we pray, we pray in the name of Jesus. And that doesn't just mean that we add a line to the end of our prayers. It means we remember who we are. And we approach God with reverence and awe, but come boldly through the Son who has made us righteous in him. So we remember who God is. We remember who we are. And finally, remember that prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. In verse 21, God says he's going down to see what's going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. That's what God tells Abraham he's going to do. But God doesn't need to go and look. He knows exactly what's going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. We saw this with the Tower of Babel, didn't we, last year? God himself comes down to earth to investigate before he passes judgment. And this is not for the benefit of God. God doesn't need to. He knows the wickedness and evil in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. He doesn't need to come down and see. What he's doing is for the benefit of Abraham. He's teaching Abraham something. And so when I say that prayer changes things, I think it's important to know that often it is us who are changed in prayer. Think about what's going on in this passage. On the surface, it might look like God is changing his mind. It might seem that he's having his mind changed by Abraham. But from the beginning, God is planning on destroying these cities because of their wickedness. And as we shall see in the weeks to come, or you can look on a map this afternoon, God did destroy these cities. They've never returned. So God's plans and purposes didn't actually change. They were the same from the start to the end. His mind wasn't changed. But in this exchange, something was changed. And what was changed is Abraham's understanding of justice and mercy and grace. By allowing Abraham to talk to him, by allowing him to get as low as 10 people, God is demonstrating something very important to Abraham. He's teaching Abraham there aren't 10 people. 
There aren't even 10 righteous people in these cities. God knew that from the very beginning. He allowed Abraham to go through the whole process, the increments of fives and tens. But God knows he's only going to find one righteous family. And that's the family of Lot. Now, again, I think this helps us with our definition of righteousness. What do we mean when we say righteous? Because Lot is not righteous because of his behavior. His heart is wicked. He does some very sinful things, both both before and, and after this point in the story. But Lot is righteous because Jesus has died for his sin. And so he's clothed in Christ's righteousness. God does not change through this prayer. But I think Abraham does change. So it wouldn't be right to say that Abraham's prayer doesn't accomplish anything. Abraham learned something through prayer. We have learned something today, I hope, through this prayer. So Abraham's prayer does something. It changes things. And friends, when we come before God in prayer, we too are changed. If we pray, as I've said so far, remembering who God is and remembering who we are, well, then we're humbled. We're humbled to acknowledge, even to ourselves, our own helplessness. We come before God in prayer. We, we are wowed by the majesty and the might of God. We remember that we are only counted righteous, that we are only heard by God because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. These things change in us when we pray. We're made grateful for all that God has done for us in Christ. Prayer is so important in the Christian life. Just as God talks to us in his word, we talk to him in prayer. Many times we might be tempted to think that prayer doesn't change things. But that's often because we're not looking in the right direction. Prayer does change things. It changes us. When you pray, learn the lessons of Abraham in Genesis 18. Remember who God is. Remember who you are. And remember, prayer changes things. Let's join together in prayer now. Let's pray.